Good morning, I'm Pastor Allen. Glad you're here. Uh, I picked a good Sunday to come. We're starting a new series. We usually speak on the same topic for a few weeks. And the new series is Stress Less. That's our goal, help you stress less. Uh, you might ask where I come up with these series. Well, um, I'm in two small groups and I sit in my group and I listen to the people. And this seems to be an issue in, you, in our group's lives anyway. I'm assuming in everybody's life. <clears throat> this is something uh, we struggle with. Some of you may be stressed because of, maybe you have friends, family in Florida. Uh, actually, we have a Floridian here. Where is she? <laughs> There she is. There's a Floridian here. She, she got out and she's safe with us. But I'm sure you have friends, relatives uh, still there and certainly be in prayer for their safety. <clears throat> but this is an issue for all of us, right? We all struggle with this. Stressors in our lives. So I thought I'd share about, because uh, this kind of goes in waves or uh, you know, mountains and valleys, uh, sometimes worse than others. So I'm going to share about a, a really stressed time in our life, and some of you were around back then, so you'll, you'll, you'll relate to this or remember it. <clears throat> back in 2003, uh, my wife's birthday is uh, February 15th, that's right. <laughs> anyway, um, we got a, a, a fantastic gift from Josh and Aaron, and we were told that, that they were pregnant and we were going to have our first grandchild. Well, not too long after that, we found out that, no, we weren't going to have our first grandchild. And then Easter is always a big time in the life of the church. And Easter evening that year, my, our daughter, Andrea, didn't come home. So we went to pick her up where she was with her boyfriend the next day. And we found that she was 16, she's 16 and uh, almost 17 and she was pregnant. Um, later that week, she ran off and got married after we thought things had settled down. A couple weeks later, my wife's driving along on the interstate in our minivan and she hits one of those pieces of tires, truck tires. It knocked the oil filter off. Of course, the oil drained out and it blew up the engine in the van. Probably the worst thing that happens a couple weeks later, you ever get a call from the state police? Got a call from the state police, said your son's been in an accident, Jared. Uh, he was 15, so he was riding his bike and got hit by a large pickup truck. The lady thought she'd killed him, but Obviously, they, they hadn't. Uh, he broke his upper, one of his upper legs. And, of course, he was in through that whole recovery process. So this happened over a couple, a couple months that, in that spring of that year. So that was a very stressful time. And you've, I'm sure you had those, those times in, in your life also. Uh, so maybe you're stressed today. Maybe you're stressed having an argument with your spouse and going away to church or your kids today. I don't know. <clears throat> But what I do seem to realize is stress is on the rise. People seem more stressed now than they used to be. I don't know if our memories are bad or what it is. <clears throat> and with all modern technology and improvements, it doesn't seem to be improving our stress level anyway. Maybe our lives, but not our stress level. So I'd start, I thought I'd start with myself. And instead of making the list my stressors, myself, I asked my wife to make the list. Because who knows me better than her? So this is my list made by my wife. All right, number one on the list. <laughs> Death. <laughs> Biggest stressor in my life is my wife. Uh, now again, she made up this list. Now I was a little insulted when I first saw it, but now I got to thinking about it. It's probably correct for a couple of reasons. We, we spend the most time together. And most of you know us. Uh, we're like complete opposites. 
If she says potato, I say potato. If she says tomato, I say tomato. It's just, just the way we're wired, okay? Um, she wants to do this, I want to do that. If I don't want to do this, she does. It's just, it's just. So, con so constantly we were dealing with our differences. She's an extrovert, I'm an introvert, etc., etc. So we're all this is constant stress or pressure on a relationship because we're so different. Now, we have this common passion for Jesus that's kind of made our marriage good and kept us together for almost 41 years. But that is a stress, obviously, on, on both of our lives. And any of you that are married, you know, your spouses aren't identical to you, so there's obviously a stress level with that. So the next thing she put on the list was this, not knowing all the details. <clears throat> I'm fanatical about knowing details. My wife's just the opposite, of course. You just kind of tell her where you want to be and when you want to be there, and she'll show up when she wants to, and she'll be happy, all right? I want to know exactly when you want to be there, me to be there, uh, how you want me to dress, what you want me to bring, how long it's going to be, when I'm going to leave, or what's going to be on the agenda. Yeah, I want to know all the details, and if I don't have them, I am uncomfortable and stressed. That brings up the third one, uh, being late. If I'm on time, I'm late. I get this from my mom, I think. I have to be 10 minutes early to be on time. I, it just is. The weird thing is, nothing really bad happens to you usually for being late, does it? I guess if I wasn't here <laughs> on time, it might be a problem. But most of the time, it's not a big deal. But that's just the way I'm wired. Um, and so... If, if somebody, something's causing me to be late, I get stressed. I start driving too fast and, and bad things happen, okay? So uh, that's a stressor for me. Another stressor, again, my wife made this list. Out of the normal routine. I am especially stressed this week. Once a year, uh, most of you know we have a care home and my brother-in-law and his wife run it. They get a week vacation a year and they're on vacation this week. So guess what? We're running it, and my wife mostly, and she's there, uh, sleeps there, I'm at home by myself, I don't know when and if we're having meals, it's just a crazy week for us, okay? So this is a stress level for me, out of the routine. And then, last thing she put on the list was this, unmet expectations. I try and, and people expect things of me, I try and follow through, I try and be faithful, I try and do, do the best I can, and I expect other expectations of other people that they'll follow through and when people don't that causes me stress especially obviously if it's something important something in for the cause of Christ etc etc so that's my list you'll have your list that's not the end of the list that's just the five things my wife put on the list <clears throat> so in this series we're going to talk about four different words kind of interchangeably I know they're not exactly the same but um here they are, stress, fear, anxiety, and worry. Now, stress usually has a, an exterior uh, trigger. You know, something outside of your control is causing you stress. Uh, it could be the weather, uh, somebody else's, some relationship with somebody else, uh, your job, school, whatever it might be. So the stress is often from exterior <clears throat> trigger. Uh, fear is usually a threat, real or imagined. And uh, some fear is good, you know, lions chasing you, you should be afraid, run away, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, but we fear things we shouldn't fear. Uh, anxiety, anxiety is kind of a strange one. There's even a medical term for anxiety disorder. And most of the time it's just undefined. You're just anxious and you can't put your finger on it. You don't know what's causing it. You just feel anxious. 
And then worry is kind of a, a catch-all. It's uh, internalizing uh, whatever imagine, whatever fears, whatever stresses, uh, whatever anxiety, we're internalizing it and uh, trying to control what we can't control and think we can and, and so forth. So I'm going to use those words. When I use one, you can, you can use one of the others or think of one of the others. Uh, for most of us, we say, yeah, I, I'm stressed, but I don't worry, or I worry, but I'm not stressed. So let's not go there, okay? We all, it catches us all, I think. The reality is, the, this is a decision that you and I make. This is a choice you and all may, I, I make. And I know the pushback is, no, I don't. I don't have any choice. You don't have any choice about the cause of the stress, but being stressed is your choice. The cause of what you blame the worry on, but if you worry about it or not, is your choice. Uh, you might call it a habit, uh, a bad habit. And like any habits, good habits, bad habits, we can change our habits. So I just kind of lumped them together with this definition. Negative emotions we feel in response to life. All right? So that's what this series is going to be about. Negative emotions we feel in response to life. It's affecting your life. It's making your life less than it could be. It's making your life less pleasant than it should be. Now, some of you might be in, in something, something clinical, and you might be in depression. I'm not going to be able to solve that up here. I don't think I will. Um, it might be helpful. Uh, but sometimes we need professional help, counselors, etc. And if you're in that situation, please, please, please uh, get that help. Now, what we often use in place of these, wor these words, like worry, is the word concern. I'm not worried, I'm just concerned. Worry is a bad word, concern is a good word. Concern is good, but unhealthy concern, these negative emotions, unhealthy concern. Uh, <clears throat> some of you gave me some examples, some things that worry you. Uh, one lady finally just lumped all hers into this one. Change. <laughs> Change causes me stress, especially uh, dramatic or unexpected change. And that kind of fit into one of my categories. <clears throat> Some of the natural and normal things are health issues, relationship issues, financial issues. Uh, we're going to look at this in a, in a few minutes, but almost all this is related to the future. Uh, so, you know, what's the future for my kids? What's the future government? You know, what's going on with the government? What's going on with the stock market? Uh, all these things are potential stressors, weather, uh, etc. For some of you, God's a stressor. You're not sure about how God feels about you. You think God may be punishing you or keeping something good from you or just kind of waiting for you to do something bad and, and, and so forth. And this is kind of weird because we talk about this a lot. God's unconditional. He loves you just the way you are. He's not, that's not going to change. You can't do anything to change that. But we still, sometimes we fall into that, uh, better term, bad theology. So what does the Bible have to say about worry? Actually, it has a lot. We'll talk about it for several weeks. It has a lot to say about it. But this is one of those categories, and we were covering one on our group Friday. This is one of the categories I call acceptable sins. You know, I can get up here and talk about it, but, we, you know, you, you'll probably think, oh, well, I can go ahead and worry if I want to. It's fine. Well, is it acceptable sin? It's kind of strange what we consider acceptable sins. When I grew up in the 60s, the church I went to, uh, we had a couple, especially for a teenager, unacceptable sins were smoking and drinking. Okay, they were just no-notes. You just didn't do those, okay? So, in uh, 73, I went to seminary, get my master's degree, in North Carolina. 
And I'm on the campus of the seminary, and there's all these guys smoking. And I'm wondering, what's going on? You know, good Christians don't smoke, right? Well, most of them were pastors, are going to be pastors, and they're smoking. This has kind of turned my world up a little, upside down a little bit. But I found out that most of their churches were supported by tobacco growers. And so almost everybody in their churches smoked. And this is, again, it was back in the 70s. I don't know if it's still that way. So then in the 80s, we had to be missionaries in Portugal. All right? Then I found out everybody in the church drank <laughs> in Portugal. It's just everybody drinks. I mean, they do. It's not a big deal. Smoking was a big no-no, though, in Portugal. Uh, you know, if you're a good Christian, you don't, you don't smoke. So we have these acceptable sins in different cultures. In our culture, I think one of the acceptable sins is worry. And I'm going to call it a sin because Jesus says not to do it. If we do something Jesus says not to do, that falls into sin category, right? And often in Scripture, when an angel shows up, Jesus shows up, the first thing he says is what? Don't be afraid. Now, why, does he, why do they say that? Because that's our natural tendency to be afraid, right? Anxiety, fear, they're all, all, all forms of fear. So this isn't a, a Jesus follower condition. This is a human condition, right? And if you're not a Jesus follower, we're delighted you're here, and we truly believe this will be helpful to you also. So we're going to start off this first week looking at something Jesus said in Matthew, and it's going to be familiar to most of you, and we'll go through it. We'll come back to it again probably later in the series. But here it is in Matthew chapter 6. We call this as part of the Sermon on the Mount. <clears throat> and Jesus is teaching. He gets to this part and he says this. This is why I tell you, do not worry about everyday life. Just don't do it. Okay, we can go home now, right? Everybody, Jesus said don't do it. We're not going to do it anymore. Doesn't work that way, does it? It's not that easy. And so he gives some examples of things to worry about. Food, drink, clothing. Now, are you really worried about what you're going to have for lunch today? I doubt it. You may wonder what uh, many choices you may eat. But most of us have way more food than we can even eat. You know, we have a freezer full, we have a refrigerator full, we have a pantry full, and your, your house is probably the same. So we don't really worry about food too much. What about clothes? Were you all stressed out about well, ladies sometimes, my wife, I don't have anything to wear. You, uh, closet full of clothes, but nothing to wear, right? No, you, you don't, we, we have clothing. You know, we have to understand, though, this was written in the first century. These were the two biggies for the first century. They didn't have refrigerators full of food and cupboards full of food. They probably had food to eat that day and maybe the next day. And if they didn't work that day, they might not have food for the next day. This was a daily stressor in first century. Clothing was the same thing. You may have had two, two changes of clothes, washing one while you were wearing the other. That was it. And if something happened to that one, you were down to one. So these were major potential stressors in the first century. So I don't know what the major ones in your life, but you can plug those in here for food and clothes because they're not probably a big stressor for you. And he says, isn't life more than, and you can fill in yours, uh, food, and more than clothing. It's a rhetorical question, right? Because obviously life's more than that. It's interesting. We have more, and we seem to be stressed more. Kind of like when you're a teenager, you're a young adult, you think, well, when I get out of school, and I get a job, and maybe a wife, and some kids, and yeah, I won't have stress anymore, right? <laughs> All these biggies have been solved. School's over, I got a job, I've got a wife, and I got kids. No, 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 the more we have, just seems like the more stress we have. 
Um, those of you who have houses, we have two houses. You think it's hard keeping up with one house? Try keeping up with two houses. All right, so the more you have, the more stress you have. So he says, okay. He's trying to make his point. Jesus says, uh, give me some illustrations. give you some illustrations. He says, okay, look at the birds. All right, Jesus, we're looking at the birds. They don't plant or harvest, store food, food in barns. And their heavenly father feeds them. No birds have barns, right? <laughs> they don't have refrigerators. They just fly around and find enough food to eat to feed them. And, and uh, they have chicks and feed them. And eventually kick the chicks out. And <laughs> life goes on, right? No major stressors for birds. And if I'm listening to this, I'm thinking, seriously, Jesus? <laughs> You're comparing us to birds? Come on. And then he says, aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Again, kind of a rhetorical question, right? God created everything. Everything was good. Everything was good. He got to mankind. He created man. He said, this is very good. This is made in my image, not like anything else in all creation. You're way far more valuable. And of course, Jesus didn't die on a cross for birds either, did he? He died on a cross for you and me. So far more valuable than birds. Okay, birds don't have to worry about food. You're more valuable than birds. That's the first illustration. Then he asked another question, kind of a rhetorical question. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Of course, we all know the answer to that. In fact, medical science tells us what? Stress does what to your life? Shortens your life. It can kill you. Stress can be a killer. It can end your life. So it just does the opposite. So when we worry, it doesn't solve the problem. It causes problems, right? So we took care of the food, and then he's going to talk about the clothing. He says, All right, and why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field, how they grow, and they don't work, and make their clothing, okay? The flowers just kind of, wildflowers spring up, and they're beautiful, and, you know, God just takes care of them. And then he compares them to, it would be the, I couldn't think of that. I don't know what the pinnacle of United States history is or was, but this would have been a pinnacle of the Israelite nation's history when Solomon was king. They were a world power. Solomon was the most powerful and the um, richest man in the world, the wisest man in the world. He had billions of dollars. And he says, Solomon, I don't know, he had $100,000 suits. I don't know what he had. Uh, was dressed as beautiful as the flowers. You know, money couldn't buy anything more beautiful than flowers. If God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers, they're here today and thrown into the fire, or with, you know, gone tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. So what's he saying? <clears throat> He's saying it's really not an issue of food. It's really not an issue of clothing. It's a, we'd say, spiritual issue or a God issue. And then he says something kind of um, unpleasant <laughs> to us anyway. He says, why do you have so, such little, teeny, puny, minuscule faith? That's what he's saying. Those of us that are stressed, worried, fear, anxiety, he says, your faith is just, just tiny, minuscule. Practically not there. He says, so don't worry about these things. 
What you eat, what you drink, what you wear. He's saying, if you're a Jesus follower, if you're not again, we're glad you're here. But if you're a Jesus follower, been one for a little while, you should have figured this out by now. <laughs> I'm a good God. I took care of eternity. I've taken care of your past. I'll take care of you today. I'll take care of you in the future. Nothing to worry about. You should have figured it out. Then he goes on and insults us. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. I like the words in some other translations. Pagans. He says, you're pagan. You're pagan. When you worry, you get stressed out. You're a pagan. You're just like the pagans. Ah, Jesus, that's not nice. <laughs> but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. So what do we say? God, yeah, you took care of me in the past, but I don't think you're going to take care of it in the future. Or you gave it to me this in the past, but in the future you're not going to give it to me for whatever reason. So then he gets to, all right, I, I don't worry, so I just say, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. That doesn't work, does it? <laughs> okay, so he says, no, 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 no. He gives us some positive alternatives. He says, seek the kingdom of God. For some translations say first. This one says, above all else. Okay? So instead of these different things that you're worrying about, stressed about, you know, put God at the top of the list. All right? Try and do what's right. And he, meaning God, will give you everything you need. He'll give you everything you need anyway. <laughs> he gives us more than you need. But in this equation, that's how he describes it. And he says, so don't worry about tomorrow. Now, the interesting thing about worry is it's usually future-related, right? I'm not really stressed out about much of anything right now. But yeah, like tomorrow I may, ha I do. I have to go to the permit office and that's stressing me out a little bit. <laughs> uh, and other things, but yeah, it's not about the future. In fact, uh, most of you know I've been eating like my wife for about a year and a half, a plant-based diet. People say, don't you miss meat? And I said, yeah, yeah, I miss meat. Well, how, how do you do that? And I said, it's easy. I just don't eat meat today. We all can do that, right? What, if you just needed some motivation, I won't eat, eat a hamburger, steak, chicken, whatever. I just won't eat meat today. That's how I did it, done a year and a half, Okay. <laughs> Uh, I was wanting something meat the other day. I was just thinking, oh, that'd be good to have that. But anyway, just one day at a time, right? Well, that's what Jesus tells us about all of life, not just your diet. He says, I don't have to be stressed out about money today. I don't have to be stressed out about my health today. I don't have to be, you know. So the question is, why am I so stressed? <laughs> Jesus says not to do it. He says he's going to take care of us. He's taken care of us in the past. And exactly, again, the stress seems to be growing. And we have reasons, excuses. Again, that's the way I made, God made me, I wired me, whatever. You know what you're really doing there? You're blaming God for the fact that you worry or I worry. So your stress, anxiety, and worry reveal things. You may not know what they are, but they do reveal things. And I, also on your outline, your stress reveals what your mind conceals. So, it might not, you might not even be aware of it, especially if it's kind of a general anxiety disorder. You have this anxiety, you can't put your finger on it. But it is attached to something. All our fears and worries and anxieties are attached to something. So, what's at the 
It's interesting. One of the things at the end of our rope is what's in the mirror. It's us. And it's usually about what we, people think about us or we think what people think about us. We want people to like us. Now, some of you know me pretty well. I, that's not a big concern of mine. I didn't think it was. But you know when it is a big concern of mine? On Sunday morning at 11.30. Also about 9.30. When I get up here and talk, I expect, obviously I want you to listen, think I'm smart and have good illustrations and uh, enjoy listening to me and hopefully point you to God. But that's not my job, to get you to like me. My job is to get you to like Jesus, right? <laughs> and uh, just present the truth. But one of the biggest stressors is, is, is what we see in the mirror. Another stressor. Money. Money. God, Angie, you're in here somewhere, right? Yeah. If money is stressing you out, take financial peace. That's what the course is called, right? <laughs> financial peace. Uh, wife and I did this a long time ago. And I asked my wife why this wasn't on my list. And she said, it's not a big stressor for you. I have an emergency fund. I live on a budget. I've been doing that for 20, 30 years. And, you know, I'm thinking about retirement. I'm wondering, okay, am I going to have enough money to live in retirement? But, uh, yeah, can I, I have money to get my kids to college? Uh, maybe uh, health issues are digging into your finances. This big potential stressor, right? Finances. <clears throat> health issues. Not only yours, but maybe you've got aging parents. Uh, you get an ache or pain, you start wondering, oh, do I, what do I got? Uh, health issues. I think probably the biggest stressor, though, for most of us is what I call family, right? You, know, you got teenagers, you're wondering, am I going to get caught up in drugs, uh, promiscuous lifestyle, are they going to be a Jesus follower, are they going to find a Christian mate someday, are they going to be happily married? Uh, some of us have grandkids, so the cycle goes on again, the, the next generation with your grandkids. Maybe you're having marriage issues. Maybe you're not married and Wish you could find that right person. And maybe you're with the wrong person. Just the family issues, the relationship issues. So what's at the end of your rope? And you're probably not going to like what you find. I didn't like what I found. And a lot of it's what if. But what if the economy crashes? What if my kids get in trouble? Can't live on what ifs. And the follow-up question is this, maybe more important. Why is it there? Why is it there? So I'm going to encourage you to ask God to show you what's there and why it's there. And again, you're probably not going to like the answer. What's the best thing to be at the end of this rope? God's at the end of this rope. No matter what I'm facing, whatever stresses I'm facing... Seek first, or seek, make, be your primary concern, is God, right? We're all going to have stressors, potential stressors. And when you and I get stressed out, we worry about it, get anxious about it. What you're doing, what I'm doing, is trying to take God's place. Not a very smart thing to do, right? So your stress reveals what your mind conceals. And we'll be talking that, about that for the next couple of weeks. <clears throat> Hopefully you want to know. Because then you can... 
make positive changes. Good things can happen. So here's your homework assignment <laughs> this week. Ask God to help you see what's at the end of your rope. And if you're brave enough, ask him why it's at the end of your rope. Again, we'll continue this next week. Let's have a prayer. Praise him and lead us in one last song and let you go. <clears throat> Father God, thank you. Thank you for this passage of Scripture, this teaching of Jesus. We thank you that uh, <laughs> it's pretty clear, even though we might not like it. And God, I, I just hate the fact that we think this is an acceptable sin, that uh, I can't help it. Uh, that's a cop-out. That's a coward, coward's way. So I pray we'd have the courage to really actually take this seriously and deal with this issue. Because it not affects us and our lie of people around us, but it affects the ministry of Jesus. We're not any different than anybody else, and we fret and worry about everything. It's not showing much faith. In fact, we got minuscule faith. So we God, we're praying, increase our faith. And we pray for anyone that's not a Jesus follower, that he would step, take, a, take that step and step across that line and accept that gift and beginning a life of faith where you can trust Jesus to take care of the things that you and I can't control. It's the best life option out there. Thank you, Jesus, for what you do for us. In your name we pray. Amen.